right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online. This is Case Johnson. This is the Literally Podcast. Today we're podcasting from downtown Ogden at the Monarch. Um, today we're talking with poet Elizabeth Joy Levinson. She lives, teaches, and writes on the west side of Chicago. She has an MFA in poetry from Pacific University in Oregon and an MAT in biology from Miami University. Her work has appeared in several journals, including Gray Sparrow, Up the Staircase, Apple Valley Review, and Hawk and Whippoorwill, Alluvian, and La Presa, and is forthcoming in Slipstream. Has it already come out in Slipstream? No. So this fall, good. Her chapbook, As Wild Animals, is available through Dancing Girl Press. Uh, thanks um, so much, Elizabeth, for joining us. And she's going to jump in with some pieces from the chapbook. Okay, thank you. Um, so first I'm going to read this poem, The Beekeepers, um, which I thought would be appropriate because I understand Utah is the beehive state. And I'm just learning all about that and kind of fascinated by it. Um, so The Beekeepers. What makes them do it? these strange men who love a thing that is dying. Each day they suit up like monks or astronauts, mysterious as either. They count the carcasses, each one so light. Those that are left beat furious wings, a dead march that moves the beekeepers from hive to hive. Each day they must decide to divide the colonies, rebuild or sell them off. There will always be those who have not yet known the bitter aftertaste that follows the harvest of the comb, this is something I would like to try, in a field of clover, to watch them over, to press the bellows of a tin smoker, to wave it around, making gray clouds to move in and out of, pulling each tray with hope for the quiet hum, for the brush of a furry thorax against my wrist, where my gloves might slide down, leaving my skin exposed. Um, and then I'm going to do uh, one more from the chapbook. Is that okay? Uh, and this is about my city, <laughs> the starlings of Bridgeport. Above the city that burned and burned and was rebuilt with lights that bounce off the atmosphere and yellow the sky, casting out the stars, the starlings rise. With wings spread, they darken the night again, and feathers lit at the tips spark like dying embers. Every night they create constellations and call out new compositions to each other. No one understands why they have risen from the ashes that cooled years ago and were buried beneath foundations of brick and concrete. Every night just before the city sleeps, the starlings call out and a memory might respond. So we're looking at two poems today from the, from the chapbook, um, As Wild Animals. Um, first we started with bees and then the starlings, right? Um, and what I've, and this is just a, just from, from the work that I've read is there, it seems to be that a lot of, um, your poems kind of balance between that kind of pastoral and kind of the city life and maybe dealing with 
with living in each or living in one or maybe not in both at the same time and and maybe a want of one or the other or a loss of one of the other and um i'm i'm, I'm wondering going into a chapbook like this um was that i mean obviously there's a lot of poems that didn't make it in right but it was that what was what was there a thematic goal um, when you put this with this collection together, or am I reading something that I'm not getting right? No, no, no. You're um, actually what you're saying, uh, which is interesting, more applies to my current collection. Mm. Um, and I'll just be I'm going to be perfectly honest about the assemblage of the chat book, if mm -hmm. that's OK. Um, but I was working on this when we were in school together um, mm -hmm. back in 2010. Forever ago. Forever ago. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and at the time. I remember feeling a lot of pressure to produce and to publish, and um, and so I was trying to find pieces that connected, and definitely that tension was one of the themes, but also mm. what I was really thinking about are like trying to find 10 to 15 poems that I just thought were good and that were publishable, and um, and luckily, you know, Christy Bowen from Dancing Girl Press was like, mm -hmm. yes. And she took them and I was very happy about that. Um, but what you're talking about, that loss of the of the connection to nature is very much um, what I'm working on now. Okay. So those are the poems, the newer ones. Yeah, newer yeah, ones. Newer but ones. but the um, obviously they had a seed in this project, right? right. So yeah. yeah. I mean, even with the beekeepers, right? I mean, I mean if you look at that it's kind of this wonder of and i like the line where you talk about i mean they they're so invested in things that are dying you know i mean that's 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 something it's it's really sad first off i mean it really is i mean the way i took it um and at the same time it it feels like that want to be a part of something that is still kind of wild so i mean i don't know if that's the seed there yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you were at or remember when we were at Pacific, Barry Lopez, uh -huh. talking about the job of the writer, right? And he said that, um, you know, the world is broken up into fragments, and it's our job to try to figure out how those fragments fit together. Um, and I think definitely for me, that's where I feel the most fragmented is that I live in this, I live in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, I live very much removed from the natural world. And all around me, I feel like people are trying to, I mean, you, you see it in like the way, um, what is it, Fobo, right? Like we make things that are printed to look like wood or we sure. use insects in, in clothing now, you know? And there's, to me, I think that's all about that disconnect and that like people are trying to get to those fragments. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, and I mean, so where, where, are, you, where are you from originally? <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm. I uh, had a transient childhood, mm -hmm. so I never know how to answer that question. I was born in um, just outside of Chicago, mm -hmm. um, but I went to like 15 different schools and lived in like five different states growing up. So, yeah. so yeah. we talk about loss, and so where was that? Can, where was that? And like, if you look back and you're looking at and writing these poems, um, that's that they kind of straddle that the, the loss of 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 the of nature or maybe even just the feeling of nature because abby says that a lot of people don't need to even be in nature abby says that they just need to know it exists to feel less claustrophobic you know he's like that person in new york doesn't need to go to moab because abby 
didn't want them to go to Moab. He just said they need to know that it exists so that they feel free, so they feel they're not trapped in the city. Where where was that connection that created that loss um, that's kind of stemming this, this new work? Um, a lot of the new work actually is uh, based on time that we spent in Florida mm-hmm. um, as a family. And I think that Definitely because Florida is such a wild place sure. in so many ways. I mean, um, big snakes, yes, huge snakes. Right, you alligators. Know. Right. And yeah. yeah. Um, and I was there at a time in my childhood where I was noticing all of these things so much. So I think um, that definitely, um, but also, so when like moving a lot, and this is something I've written about, you notice that the nature changes everywhere you go, you know, whereas mm-hmm. like a lot of American writers are sort of defined by sure. the, their place. Sure. That was always changing for me mm-hmm. and um, and always novel. And there was always this sense of discovery happening. And I think that's part of it, too. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I mean, I can li- I live that. I mean, these mountains are ours. I mean, Brandon can attest to that, too, that as Utahns, the lake and the mountains define us as people, you know, Um and and um going other places and it's really interesting that you say that so it's like you go another place right and you think this is really kind of exotic right but it's not it's a street um you know or you go to europe and it's a, it's a road but you're like but there's something in you that feels kind of this kind of sense of exploring the exotic part of life does that make sense and yeah. to have to have to live it in different places because I'm, I'm a Utah. I mean, we've been here for most of my life and, um, to have to live it again and to live in the exotic or to live in the new nature. Um, that makes a lot of sense. It's something that I haven't thought of and my characters in my writing never think of it either. So, um, so with Chicago, so, I mean, this is, I mean, that's kind of where there's somewhat of a crux where it comes as a crux, you know, that you are in the city. Um, does a lot of your new work, does it, I mean, I've read a few pieces that you sent me and um, that's, does a lot of new, or does some of the new work tackle kind of like green space or the manufacturing of kind of nature? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the, the manuscript I'm working on right now is in two parts um and the working title is uncomfortable ecologies so that's what we're talking about right Mm -hmm. um and the first part uh so in addition to moving around a lot and having this transient childhood um i would also say my childhood was um addiction adjacent um i mean everybody has these stories in their family and won't get into them but um but i think so the first part of the manuscript is focused on those kinds of difficult relationships and how those shape the space that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second part is a lot of what you're talking about. So, or what you were just asking me about. Um, So actually like dealing with spaces where there is a tension between um, green space and urban space or uh, the people in the space, things like gentrification, how that impacts um, a community or an ecology. So with this new with this new project, how far along are you? What are we looking at? Um, I've started sending it out. Have you? Oh, good. So this, this is this is the time to cross fingers. This is yeah. the cross fingers time. Well, good. Oh my gosh, that's this is always hard. And for those of you who listen and who aren't writers who have never been on submission, um, give big a big 
finger crossing to Elizabeth right now because this is the hardest part of writing. I mean, it is. I mean, it just is. And um, uh, you never know um, who's reading your stuff and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, so we do. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. So it's full, is it, so is it, are you going after a full book or a chapbook? This? So it's, um, I mean, what I'm discussing right now is a full-length manuscript, sure. but there are parts of it that I've pulled out and also submitted in chapbook sure. form recently. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like an essay collection. You'll right. you'll pull out a a few essays and say this this will this might work on its own. Um, so can we hear some more? Yeah. Um. So I I'll read the piece that I have coming out in Slipstream. Okay. Because I think that uh, addresses um, some of the issues I mentioned with the first part of the manuscript. Um, childhood and uh, here it is um, tensions within the family but also brings up some sort of environmental things in Florida all of that uh, so this is called exterminator in Florida you tried everything but you couldn't kill the insects faster than they could hatch so you taught me about them instead I learned to identify orb weavers mole crickets I kept a close watch when they came out just before dawn to drink from condensation on blades of tangled crabgrass. Those mornings, I wove my toes into the stubborn plant's runners. Grainy soil stuck to my skin as the sun heated up, the smell of rotting oranges so high in the gnarled tree we could never pick them all. You moved on, sold solar panels, adjustable beds, insurance, Roaches multiplied. We could not keep up. In the evenings, we rinsed in the ocean. We were never clean. We were never refreshed, but we were tired. We slumbered dreamlessly. Eventually, all that wasn't living sank into brown shag behind white stucco walls built on crawfish, cockroaches. They scurried between our feet, watching as we fled, left our things. Plastic Legos, silverware, socks. Hidden from us much later, we realized they were gone. We left those things in the salt-heavy air, the way the moisture collected on skin with sweat and hot dog grease. It was better that way to leave. The ocean always burned, my thighs chafed inside, and eyes red as the ink and the eviction slip and the tongues of the lizards flicking as they ran across the door. Thank you. I mean, so this talks about a fast departure. Right. I mean, yeah. this is not a this was not a something that um, you would all prepared for. Um, and um, I, I mean, in some of these questions, of course, with poetry, they're supposed to remain. What's the word hidden? Um, but who is the you, the second person? Um, within um, this? Yeah. So with the of course, with the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the notion, of course, that in poetry, the I is the narrator and sure. not the I, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but the you is it would be my father. Okay, yeah. yeah. So and, and this is kind of one of those. I mean, it, I mean, this poem. I, I like this one because of that kind of juxtaposition of that, like playing in the ocean and having fun and toys, and then all of a sudden, departure, eviction, slip, right? Um, and it's, that's a that's a that's. An, it's not an easy one to swallow. That's a that's a that's a game changer in the sense that thematically for a book, this goes away from anything that might be considered just kind of 
or or a, a theme that might be the natural world or ekphrastic or whatever but this is a this is a story um does the collection that's being sent out now follow a narrative line when it comes with your poetry or or is it more of pieces from other parts of this kind of the the line? first part is this a narrative is, yeah yeah, and so you've split it in two. Is that what you've done? Yeah. What's the second part? What are we looking? What What is going to be published? <laughs> I'm putting it out there. I I got. I have to. You know, it's like as writers, we have to. It's good juju. You, you yeah. have to I, put I it need out. All the juju we I all need the juju, and it's like, <laughs> and um, as writers, some people just like they think that there's no space. There's plenty of space. The good writers should always be published. What's the so if that's the if that narrative is the first. Uh, part of the new collection what was what's the second so the the second part is um about that tension we were talking about before Mm -hmm. so um i think you know so moving around a lot and always sort of being um like the new kid and and also being just a highly introverted person who really only understood what that meant recently um you know there's a lot of like I, i talk a lot about like feeling isolated from things and and that could be that like fragmented from nature or fragmented from others in some way. Yeah. Um, and so the, the other pieces are along those lines. Great. Do you have another? Um, yeah. Why don't if we? If not, we're going to make you. We're, we'll, I'll just flip through. <laughs> no, no, <once>. no. <laughs> I, I picked out a couple. Good. <laughs> was, um, oh, so here. I'm, go ahead and read the, the title uh, poem, which is. Okay. Um, actually, this is from the first part. Uh, this is towards the end of the first part. Um, and the, the title of the poem is actually Transfusion. Down the street, the house, literally under the tracks. How dark it must be. All the windows boarded over when the front door opens and I can see in. How hard to imagine that this was once a home. How cavernous it seems. And the men, like miners, move expertly through the building. They know where to cut and rip, following the veins that used to flow to the television, the AC, the light over a dining room table. Who once sat there? Who once ate food in this room? They pull whole handfuls through the drywall and mud, lengths and lengths of corded energy. It is an uncomfortable ecology. When they come back out, two women wait with buckets and knives. They slit the rubber sheathing, shucking copper from the sleeves, hoping this thin conduit will become something viable again. And um, I want to read another piece from this section. And this is actually, I think, yeah, this is the last one from the first part. Um, And this was published recently in Landlocked, uh, which is a great journal. Really happy they included it in their last issue. Um, And this one is called Insufficient Funds. I'm sorry I have existed, taken up space, opened my mouth and spoken, or opened my mouth and did not speak. I stepped on a butterfly. I stepped on a crack. I stepped on concrete. Someone put concrete down for me to step on. I bought a dress. I did not buy a dress. I did not make myself beautiful with painted lips and laughter. I was unkind. I was a different kind. I was a stereotype. I was the kind of girl who could not hold her horses. I begged for the horses. I left the horses in the pasture. I left the horses out in the rain. The horses were on an island, and the shoreline was eroding. I abandoned the land. I did not have enough boards. I did not bring enough nails. I left as my toes were getting wet. I was a good daughter. 
I sent a check. Um, this is what I love about poetry, and I'm not a poet, and I've said this a million times. I and my I love to always say it, and it's I think it's the truth that only smart people are poets. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I, you know, I've tried, but I love poetry for because of a poem like this. Like, um, this is a poem in a a new journal with a lot of different authors, a lot of different poets. And it stand it can stand it stands on its own. It's just it's how many words? It's probably what a hundred words, maybe. maybe. And what poets can do within such a small space, especially with the the last line, "I was a good daughter, I sent a check," where everything else is leading to this thing of like, like this kind of in, in, insufficiency, not really in funds, but in in kind of feeling less than when it comes to being, you know, to being a family member, to being a daughter. I mean, and I read this this morning and I just, I thought, and I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought, and then it, it stuck with me because of, well, funds within the, the title, but then the check is the last word where it's actually money, but everything else in the, in the middle has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with money, right? It has to do with relationships between children and their parents and everything they could could not be and wanted thought their parents wanted them to be and and they weren't and their parents may not have wanted that in the first place I don't know you know and it's like this is what I love about poetry so from a craft perspective right when it comes to a poem like this um that's going to be uh, published in Elizabeth's new collection as soon as somebody picks it up <laughs> I'm putting it out I'm putting it out there did you have that book ending when you started? No. Oh, yeah. No, with this poem? Right. No. Yeah. Like, where, like, if you were to pick a line, where did this one start? Like, what was the, what was the, you know, what was the Nader? Not Ralph Nader. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, this poem is funny because, um, I teach high school right. writing, yeah. right? And, um, one of the things that I, so there's an organization, sorry, I'm going to back up a minute. There's an organization in Chicago that I shout out to young Chicago authors. Uh, they host Louder Than a Bomb, which is a big youth poetry slam festival. Mm -hmm. And um, as part of my job as being a high school teacher, I also coach that. Um, what's been really cool for me is that in the last year and a half or so, I've gotten involved with their community for educators mm -hmm. um and they do workshops once a month for teachers and what's amazing is that you do you do the workshop as a writer but then you talk about it as a teacher and so that you can bring it back to your students um and this was a workshop that i got from a, one of their workshops and when i did the workshop i didn't get this poem i don't remember what i wrote it was right. horrible mm -hmm. um but i did the workshop with my students and I always write with my students if they're gonna write I'm gonna write yeah um and this just kind of came out of you know doing a workshop with students at like 6 p.m when I'd been teaching since 8 a.m and was exhausted and uh and this actually really helped me figure out what the manuscript wanted to be like the, at least well the first part and the second part probably or, yeah. yeah like this whole idea of mixing family and then movement and then finding a new place and all of it together yeah um i love that poem 
I love I love that this poem kind of sets you up multiple times and then pulls the rug out. You know, like the I stepped on a crack. Wait, wait, I stepped on a butterfly. I stepped on a crack. I stepped on concrete. Someone put concrete down for me to step on. It's like it's such a it's a it's it's a couple lines that like I got set up here. You know, I got set up and there was nothing I could do to get around failure because somebody set me up to fail. You know, I stepped on a crack on concrete because somebody put the crack in the concrete there. You know, and that's I thought that's why I love that poem for that reason. And then the book ending of it too with funds and check and nothing in the middle has anything to do with money. Yeah, so it's a good poem. Thank Not you. good. I, you know, that's the thing with poetry. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to teach my first poetry class this fall. Oh, that's exciting. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm gonna. it's an intro class. And I have so many things I, for you. You need to send me stuff, I like because <laughs> I am such a poet. Like, wait, is a, this is this a college class? That Weber. Okay. And yeah, so it's the intro to creative writing. So one section is going to be poetry, and um, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm pretty good at looking at a poem and saying, okay, I think this is this thematically, this is cool. And what well, look what the poet did. Like, you know, I look at some of the poems, poets that we know, and I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. And looking at your poem here, I'm like, that was, what a move, you know? But to teach it, I don't know what I'm going to do besides just say, this is, look how cool that was, right? So yeah, you have to send me stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, because you're doing it as a writing class. Like right. I would hate it if somebody wanted me to teach like a literature class on poetry because right. of having, but like when you can just, what you're saying, like just show people poems and be like, look at what this poet did. Right. Let's try to do something like cool it. too. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Yeah. That's what's hard. Cause I've never been able to personally do it. And I admit that like straight out. I mean, I could read your poem and I could say, look what she did that's really cool from a craft point of view you know but i could not replicate it in poetry like i could do it in an essay but it would take me seven thousand words to yeah to, i can't do that to like <laughs> to like pull that rug out do you know what i mean yeah and um so yes if you have anything for me oh yeah send, send in, in, even with just not my stuff i mean just i have no, lots of like, good resources like pedagogy yeah, yeah, yeah like how exactly. to teach it um yeah. okay cool yeah and anybody else wants it, Elizabeth's just going to give it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take all, your class is from, what we got to do. No. Huh? We got to take your class. Yeah, who, hers? Yours. Yours. Well, yeah. I think the fiction and nonfiction I, I got handled, but I'm not <laughs> sure about poetry. Anyway, because I have to teach three genres. It's either poetry or playwriting. And I'm like, I think I'd rather read poetry. So Yeah. So, okay. You got more? Uh, Yeah. I, cool. I can, I can, yeah. Let's do another. Okay. Um, so this is another one that came out earlier this year uh, that's also in the collection. Um, oh, that I can do that one too. No, you choose. Okay, so this is um, this is a short one, and then I'll do that one. Cool. Um, so this is uh, the Parakeets in Douglas Park, oh, Chicago. Yeah. Um, and this one uh, is really old. Uh, I wrote it. So Tia Brown that we went to school with, of course, um, she stayed with me for a while, and we were out at this park by my house. Uh, Douglas Park and it's where me and my husband walk our dog every day it's also where there's a lot of violence because it's a huge park but a lot of different neighborhoods kind of intersect um, within this green space Um, and we have a community of monk parakeets in Chicago which don't belong there they were like 
you know, smuggled into the country and got loose out of a suitcase. And they've been here since the 70s. And so every once in a while you get to see them. (sighs) Parakeets in Douglas Park, Chicago. The monk parakeets cross over the trees like pairs to wing, like the green dreams of the leaves that were all crushed when they fell to the ground under the feet of so many who passed through. It is strange the parrots would stay as the wind stays, as the wind picks up strength. This was never a home for them. But where else would they go? Removed from their homes, and then released. It is no freedom to be so far from home. Yet they weave sticks so strongly together. They bend the power lines, pull down the poles. People lose electricity. Fires start. And nobody knows for sure what the right thing is. This came out this year in uh, journal Alluvian. And Alluvian is... um, you know, a journal that tries to tackle the intersection between the built environment and the natural environment. Right. And so that's, and, you know, it's really cool for me because I'm seeing a lot more journals and projects that are sort of rising up around eco-poetry, which right. is clearly something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is the wild horses on Cumberland Island. In the morning, they greeted us, grazing in the shade of the field house at the dock. They were not the pasture-fed, thoroughbreds of the Midwest. Their hides were pocked with scars, whorls of hair around sores or ticks. Thin manes twitched as flies circled the air around their ears. They were indifferent, a stallion, two mares. Only the yearling paid any notice as I left the boat and approached. She tossed her head, nostrils flaring. She pranced around the elders nervously. And when they failed to react, she came near to me. We were five feet apart, and her sleek chestnut coat was still, unmarred by the elements. She stepped closer. One, two. I was afraid to stay. I was afraid to move. I was so worried about what would come next, and I regret, I can't remember, if her forelock was white, if the hair hung in her eyes, or if she quietly whinnied, as the stallion finally regarded me with a snort of disgust that called her back. First off, to have someone translate your work, that's pretty cool, right? That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that, that's just cool. I, I, I mean, what a great concept with a, with a journal to publish the English version and the, then the Spanish version that way. And, and how beautiful the Spanish is too, yeah. you know? I mean, it's like, I read that one and then I read it in Spanish and the Spanish is, is, is gorgeous, you know, and it's, could you do that? Could you do that with rhymed meter? You know what I mean? Like, could that translation be the same outside of kind of like this free verse world? Because the, the, the Spanish is beautiful because the, the because the content, the, the meaning's the same, right? Right. If you had to rhyme it, it would just, go away wouldn't you it? well you would lose that yeah so you would i guess you would hope you had a translator who could give you something else right you know but something you would close yeah yeah because it's, it's beautiful in spanish you know if my spanish were better we could have, we should have lee back on and Lee <laughs> could do her do do her spanish but and i love the part about the, with with this poem about how these little parakeets can cause so much havoc you know yeah. and it takes me back to the bees too in the sense that the bees are so small, but how much havoc can they cause by because they're dying? That that poem, all the way at the beginning, we start talking about this. It's like the bees dying is such a sad thing, but 
people want to be with them. And these parakeets, parakeets have that same kind of feeling to it. Like they're beautiful and small, but man, what the havoc they can have if they choose to, you know. That's what I love about poetry. You can put one poet in and this whole narrative, it's a whole story. It's so much to do. Well, and I think too, the um, one thing I try to capture, and, and this is partially with relationships, right, is that there's danger in relationships with anyone or anything. Um, and I didn't mention this with the bee poem, but um, I'm uh, allergic to bees. Uh-huh. So that's the... Oh, yeah. So the, you said, yeah, yeah, so, I would love to do what they do. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and with the parakeets, I mean, they really were, like, they were nesting on transformers and starting these huge explosions. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yet it's just a little parakeet, right? So, like, yeah, like that, but, like, that's any any like human to human relationship or yeah i'm sorry i'm rambling no please no yeah it's true any well i mean if you think i mean if you follow that it's like with relationships i'm a i mean this is i i shouldn't divulge this you know because we only have three minutes left and it's a whole different conversation (laughs) um but i'm a one of those i'm very empathetic in the sense that I worry so much about anything I say to anybody else. And then anything somebody says to me, I take and I spin and I spin. And I don't think I'm I'm too different from anybody else, but maybe just more. I'm very hyper aware. Maybe that's the word about people, relationships. Um, and um, so everybody I know has probably gotten some kind of email or text like, did I say something wrong? I apologize. You know what I mean? So, but it's true about relationships in that way that the littlest thing can start fires you know just like the parakeets i'm still waiting for my text case you well because yeah i know (laughs) i don't worry about you Uh, so um is there anything else like if you were to just uh do you have a question Uh, well i'm just i was curious how cathartic uh the writing is for you in your work writing is cathartic editing is not Mm -hmm. right and and these and that's that's as a teacher, that's a really hard thing to teach my students, right? Because they all have these oh, raw yeah. emotions that they want to get out, and um, and I think like there's there is like catharsis and therapy in writing, um, but then you have to go back and you have to make it something that um, someone else needs to hear, not just something you need to write. Right. So does the brevity in poetry rid too much of the catharsis? Um. I think for me, the brevity in poetry is it it is the catharsis because it forces me to isolate a thing um, and try to figure that out. Like instead of, you know, seeing everything at once and feeling overwhelmed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isolate. Well, an emotion, the feeling a day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pin it down. To pin it down. That's it. It's It's really about like trying to distill something right. and like you don't know what that thing is going to be right mm-hmm. you're going to run no, it through yeah. a filter you don't know yeah mm-hmm. so i guess that that is what you're saying and and yes that yes but the pinning it <laughs> sorry but doesn't the pinning it down that's it's almost like it's it takes away maybe i don't know the spinning like if you're able to pin it down the spinning goes away yeah a bit and that's cathartic well and i think know? too you see it new right and you yeah. don't you don't see this yeah this movie that you've been you say spinning i i show the movie over and over sure. again right mm-hmm. but like now it's something new and not 
your lived experience, but like a its own thing. Right. Yeah. No, I see it. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, and I'm, I'll say this honestly, why, you know, downtown here a while back we started Poet Flow, and which was great, but people just wanted, I stopped going, and sorry for those who are listening, but I went, stopped going because I got f- a little frustrated because it was all the raw emotion and you, without the next week, the revision, you know? And right. I always like the revision because mm-hmm. the revisions mm-hmm. or the fifth revision is always better. And there's nothing wrong with that raw emotion, especially in poetry. But the best poets are able to pin it down. You know, they're able to focus and say, okay, it's not just raw emotion. I'm going to pin down the one and we're going to put it into a language that can fit in a journal that stands on its own and that, um, and that, uses language to do it yeah. yeah and it still hits a universal theme right right yeah it's still yeah but in a way that we're not always saying it to our when we're drunk or something like that you know like and that wasn't that's not what i mean by povo i mean saying that like you know i mean when we we have drinks we're like oh she broke my heart right well, but everybody that language is very common but a poet like elizabeth and the other poets that we know are able to pin it down in other languages in other language, in a way that says it differently, but still has the, the heart of it. You know, I mean, yeah. so anyways, that was a tangent. Um, <laughs> this is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. Today, we had Elizabeth Joy Levinson join us. She read her poetry, which I love the format today. I think in the future, we need to kind of do it this way. Um, I love poetry, yeah. Yeah, I love with the poetry where we we, we, t- we did a little, we talked, we did a little, we did talk. That was that would worked out really, really well. I like the format and how, how that turned out. So no, uh, for the future, you, for the future as well, you can't see this on the podcast, but you guys look beautiful in the light. Over no, there. thank you. Oh, yeah. Yes, the, yes. the natural light's shining through. Well, and, I mean, yeah. and this, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is our first time in the trailer and it works. It sounds Banyan amazing. One. Yeah, yeah, man. You want, this so is great. Cool. Um, and we, and apologies, we haven't done the podcast for about three months. Um, life's been busy and crazy for me. Um, summer break we'll summer break yeah. and that usually happens but this after today talking with uh, lee and then talking with elizabeth i miss this a lot this is so much fun for me to get my brain back into talking with writers again um so this is case johnson's literally podcast we're podcasting from the monarch downtown ogden on 25th street um and thanks for joining us thank you for having me yeah All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line it does three things. They, they are com- communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit, and thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon and Line.